Um, well, Philippians chapter 2 is our text uh, for today as we continue in our study on the spiritual discipline. And today, the discipline that we're going to be covering is the discipline of service, the spiritual discipline of service. Now, some of you probably never thought about service as a spiritual discipline. You probably never thought about serving, whether it's serving at a soup kitchen or a homeless shelter or going to a school to read to kids or just providing a listening ear to a friend or even serving here at our church, serving on the parking ministry or serving on a host team or even serving with uh, uh, Hello World. And uh, this is a shameless plug because we do need help in you serving in those areas at the church. In fact, uh, later after service, you can uh, meet uh, Hello World in the back and they'll show you ways that you can serve. But some of us probably never thought about service as a spiritual discipline uh, because some of us probably thought, you know, hey, what are some of the spiritual benefits to serving? Like, how does serving deepen my relationship with God? How does serving really help me know Jesus more or become more like Jesus, right? What's so spiritual about service? And I don't blame you if you've ever thought that way. I don't blame you if you've ever thought that way. Because think about it. If you went to Starbucks, let's just imagine, if you went to Starbucks and you were doing your quiet time at Starbucks and you're reading your Bible at Starbucks, or maybe you saw someone reading their Bible at Starbucks, you would probably be thinking, oh, that person is very spiritual, right? They're reading their Bible. Maybe they're a Christian. Maybe they go to church, but you would probably think that person is very spiritual because they're reading their Bible. Or let's take it further. If you went to Starbucks and you saw that same person, or maybe it's you, you got on your knees, on your face, and you started praying at Starbucks. People would be thinking, oh, you're very spiritual, right? Or if you saw someone doing that, you probably would be thinking, like, hey, man, that guy, wow, how spiritual he is. But imagine, right, that same person got up and then closed their eyes, had their hands in the air, and started singing worship in the middle of Starbucks, right? you would either think this person is crazy or this person is very spiritual because they're worshiping at Starbucks. But what if you or anyone else got up and as people were coming in, you're like, hey, I'll buy your meal for you. Don't worry about it. I got you. Right? As people are coming in, you're like, I got you. I'll pay for your meal. Or as people are leaving, you're like, I'll clean up their mess because, man, look, they're giving the staff a lot of work, so let me clean up after them. People would probably not think that you're spiritual. They probably would think that you're generous, you're kind, but probably not think that you're spiritual, right? Most people would think that you're probably moral. See, it makes a it makes sense when we think about Bible reading, right? Worship, prayer, like the spiritual disciplines that we covered so far. It makes sense to think of them as spiritual discipline because in some way it gives us a spiritual connection with God, 
But when we think about service, what's so spiritual about service? What's so spiritual about service? What makes service spiritual as opposed to being generous, kind, or moral? What's so spiritual about service? And that's the question that we're going to be tackling today. We're going to try to answer. And at the end, my hope is for you to see that service is not just about being kind. It's not just about being generous. It's not just about being moral or a good person. At the end, I hope that you would see that service Serving is the embodiment of your faith. It's the embodiment of all the spiritual disciplines that we have been covering, right? This is how those spiritual disciplines come to life. Serving is putting our faith into action. And this is our spiritual discipline, right? Come from a personal, private space, to in a more interpersonal space, right? Where it's not just about me loving God with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength, but it's about me loving my neighbors in such a way that it puts Jesus on display. And so I hope at the end we see that serving is more than just being generous and kind, but serving is the embodiment of our faith and it's putting Jesus on display. And so our text for today is Philippians chapter 2. And so Philippians chapter 2 in the section that we uh, have read is a part of a letter where Paul wrote to this church. And this church uh, Paul wrote to encouraged him while he was in prison. And so Paul wrote to express his gratitude to this church because of how supportive and generous and encouraging they had been to him during a very difficult time. Right. So one, this church had been financially supportive to Paul. And we see that in Philippians chapter four. And they were praying for him. And we see that in Philippians chapter one. They were encouraging him by sending him people to visit him and they would bring gifts to him. And Paul says that this brought him great joy because of how they were encouraging and supporting him. They shared in his affliction. And though he was isolated, he never felt alone. He also said said that they were partners with him in the gospel in Philippians chapter 1, meaning that they were united. They were family, family working together to spread the gospel, right? These were some of the ways that the Philippian church had been serving Paul. And these are some of the ways that we can be, be serving one another. For example, one of our college students here, Josh Boyles, put you out, I'm sorry, but he is uh, planning on being a missionary after he graduates. And so one of the ways that you can help him is financially supporting him. And you could go online and you can figure out ways that you can support him to go on mission, right? Or Jennifer Urego and her family just suffered a loss. And many of you have been encouraging that family. You've been praying for them, right? We also have in our church, uh, Ditson and Janan and Brandon and Ashley, two couples who just had babies. And a lot of you have been encouraging them by doing meal trains for them, right? And then many of you have been walking alongside members of our church who have been going through 
pretty difficult seasons, and you've been sharing in their affliction. And then many of you have been partnering in the gospel in different areas here at the church and serving in ministry, helping us uh, uh, take the gospel to kids or just people in our neighborhood. So you've been partners with us in sharing the gospel, and we thank you for that. But now, here's the thing. These are some of the ways that we can care for people, but Paul wants us to know that serving is not just about committing ourselves to good deeds. Because a lot of times when we think about service, we think that service is just doing a lot of good works. The discipline of serving is not just about creating a checklist of good things to do to say that we've been practicing this spiritual discipline of service, but the spiritual discipline of service is more than that. It's more than that. The spiritual discipline of service is about the giving of our entire life for the benefit of others. Right? You see how that makes a difference? That makes a difference. It's one thing to try to fit service into our lives, but it's, it's, it's different when service is our life. Right? When you try to fit service into your life, you try to fit it if you have the extra time or if you have the extra resources. Right? If you want to be generous and kind, especially when it's deserving. But what about when service is inconvenient? What about when serving is uncomfortable? What about when service hurts? What about when serving is unfair? What about when serving is undeserved? Would you still serve? All right, see, it makes a difference the way that you see serving. It's one thing to try to fit serving into your life as a checklist, but it's radically different when serving is our life. And this is why the spiritual discipline of serving is not just about doing things, it's about who we are, right? We are servants by identity. By identity, we are serving. We are servants. We were saved. We were bought. We were ransomed by the blood of Jesus to be servants. And so this is what we see in Philippians chapter 2, where Paul, when we see in Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord with one mind. First thing that Paul says is, if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, it's a phrase here that means that God brought you into an intimate relationship with him. And not based on how well you perform, and it's not based how well you behave, it's not based on whether or not you deserve it, right? If you are in Christ brought into this relationship, you are brought into this relationship based on the fact that Jesus, Jesus saw fit to pour his love on you. He poured his love on you on the cross. He died for us, for our sins. 
And we didn't deserve it. We deserve the full wrath of God, but we got sympathy and mercy from him instead. And we received the outpouring of his spirit, right? The spirit that gives us access to the father where we can call him Abba, right? We received the spirit of adoption where we can call him Abba. And so now we have affection, from him. And so Paul is saying, if you have been encouraged by this, if you have been encouraged by the gospel, you have a new way of thinking. There's a new mind and there's a new love that's in us. He has given you a new identity, a new way of thinking, a new way of living, a new identity that we all share. And this is why he says we have this one mind. All of us have this one way of thinking, which is being in Christ, the mind of Christ. And so what Paul is saying, this is our new identity. But why is this way of thinking, this way of loving new to us? Why is this new to us? It's because we are not selfless people. We're not selfless people. We're not selfless by nature. You are actually, I am actually selfish by nature. And if you don't believe me, spend a day with a baby. And you will see how self-centered and self-absorbed and selfish a baby is. From the womb, a baby comes out self-centered. The baby does not care about what you have going on. You may have a busy schedule and you're tired. Three o'clock in the morning, the baby will not let you sleep, will wake you up and say, feed me. And I don't care. A baby has no sympathy, no consideration to prioritize you. Right? If you still don't believe me, spend some time with a five-year-old. I'll let you babysit my five-year-old. And you will see how selfish and self-absorbed he is. Right? Or even put that little kid next to other kids. And you'll see. It's like the only word they know is mine, mine, mine. And they'll fight each other. And you as a parent has to teach that kid how to share. If you still don't believe me, just look at the American culture. Just look at the American culture. We're like just grown babies, right? And just expressing our selfish, self-centeredness in a more mature way, right? Look at how we love our rights, even when it violates the rights of others. Look at how we love to fight for what we want, even when it hurts others. Look at how we love to fight to express our freedom, our individuality, right? Our desires for happiness. So what we do, we fight to change laws. We fight to change systems so that we can get what we want. See, by nature, you and I are selfish people. And here's the thing. It's the product of the fall. When we read in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, the heart behind their sin was that they wanted 
to be their own God. They wanted to be their own God. The serpent said to them, if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. And so they took it and they ate it because they wanted to be God. They wanted to be served and not serve. The original design for us was for us to be servant, but instead we envy God. We envied God. We wanted to be like him to serve and not serve. Right? To be served and not serve. And that's still true for us today. Every single one of us have a desire to be served and not serve. And we see that in the way that we prioritize our needs and our wants above others. How we have the entitlement, this entitlement mentality where we we feel entitled for special treatments or privilege and expect people to serve us. And we see how we pursue after power and status. And so we strive for position and authority, power seeking to be served by other people and have people under us. We all want to be bosses. Right. We lack empathy. We're more focused on our wants and our needs and lacking the ability to understand or care for the needs of others. We lack generosity, unwilling to give our time. We still have egos. We're so concerned about our reputation and our image and our status. We're afraid to sacrifice. We're afraid to lose. We're afraid to be inconvenient. And we still have these consumerist mentality. Here's the thing. Paul goes on, he says, in verse 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. And let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also in the interests of others. See, when we have been changed by the gospel, like Paul said, when we have been encouraged and we have this new way of thinking, this new mind and this new love because we are in Christ, the God complex in us dies. The God complex in us die and God gives us a new heart and a heart of a servant. And then Paul continues, or, or, or Jesus says in Matthew, if anyone wants to follow me, and this is the first call of discipleship that Jesus says to every single one of us, if you want to follow me, the God complex in you needs to die. Deny yourself and take up your cross. See, the God complex in us have to die if we want to be followers of Jesus. And then Jesus says this about himself. Even the son of man, and he's referring to himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and then to give his life as a ransom for many. Being a servant means dying to self. And then we see Jesus says, look at this. Greater love has no one. How do we show great love? 
laid down his life for a friend. The God complex in us has to die if we want to follow Jesus and be his servant. And then Jesus says, even the son of God, even himself, the king of the universe, who came to this world in flesh, who deserved to be served, came to the world he created not to be served, but to serve. And that was his attitude. Instead of seeking power and privilege and entitlement, Jesus came to serve others, even to the point of giving his life. And now we see this is the illustration that Paul gives us in verse 5 and 8, which he is painting Jesus as the greatest servant. It's funny, my, my kids always ask me, Dad, you're preaching today? I'm like, yeah, what story are you preaching on today? And I said, well, I'm preaching on Jesus as a servant. And Brielle, my daughter, she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm preaching on Jesus as a servant. She's like, no, Jesus is not a servant, Dad. Jesus is God. And I'm like, no, Jesus is a servant. And that blew his mind or her mind. And this is the same way as we're reading this, Paul is saying, this is God who is the greatest servant. And I want you to see how he is the greatest servant. He's the greatest servant. The God of the universe is the ultimate servant. And this is what Paul is about to display for us right now. Again, look at what he says, having this mind amongst you. What is that mind? The mind of Christ, which is also in Christ Jesus. And this is his attitude, having the same attitude that we find in Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, who was God, but took on flesh, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, to hold on to, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, and he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of even death on the cross. Beautiful illustration that Paul gives us of God, your creator, the creator of the universe, the king of all king, but at the same time, the greatest servant. We should all desire to have a selfless, sacrificial attitude like Christ, have the mind of Christ, where we empty ourselves of our pride, where we don't hold tightly to our privileges, where we take the form of a servant, where we humble ourselves even when it hurts and even when it's uncomfortable. This is the attitude that we found in Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he did not hold on to equality with God. He laid that aside. He emptied himself. He took the form of a servant. Though he was God in human form, he humbled himself even to the point of death, to serve us. A beautiful illustration to see how Jesus is selfless and sacrificial, and this is the attitude that he calls for all of us who, who want to follow him. I want to give you five important implications 
from this illustration. Five ways for us to imitate the life of Jesus. Five ways where we can imitate this life, this attitude, this mind, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our community, to cultivate the spiritual discipline of service so we can embody Jesus. One, Jesus denied himself. Jesus denied himself. Jesus was totally equal with God in his nature and his being, but did not hold tightly to his divine privileges and power. What does that look like in our lives? How tightly do you hold on to your rights? Right? Jesus chose to put that aside. He put aside his glory to serve us. How tightly do you hold on to your rights? So this looks like when in your relationship, whether it's your marriage or whether it's your friendship or whether living in community, it's when you take the time to listen to someone even when it's draining to you, right? You ever had those relationships where it's like really draining, where like a person call and then you look at it, you're like, ah, oh, man, it's probably going to be like a two-hour conversation, Right? Like, so sometimes we have these relationships that are draining to us, but the way that this looks like in our relationships is when we take the time to intentionally value people. When we intentionally value people, yes, you're busy, yes, you're tired, but you lay aside those rights to probably get some rest, right? to intentionally value someone, to value their thoughts, to value their feelings, to try to understand or to support them, to be by their side. Or maybe it looks like when we forgive, when we forgive and let go of our grudges, even when it's undeserved. Sometimes we don't want to forgive because we're like, this person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. Man, can you imagine Jesus as God, how undeserving we are of his forgiveness? He still forgives us, right? Maybe it looks like forgiving, letting go of grudges when it's undeserved, when we demonstrate love and sacrifice for those who we care about, or maybe when we put aside our plans and our desires in order to support someone else's. Man, for several years, my wife did that for me, right? And so for several years, my wife followed me from seminary to ministry to ministry to planning a church, and then she put aside pretty much her rights, her desire to pursue school for about 10 years, right? And we try to do that for one another. And so we serve one another when we put aside our plans and our desires to pursue each other, right? And so if we had that same mind for one another, that same love for one another, and we were emptying ourselves for one another, then we would never feel empty. Does that make sense? Because if you are pouring for, pouring your life out for one another, 
And my wife did that for me for 10 years. And praise God, I was able to do that for her so that she can now pursue school. And doing that, we never felt like we missed out on anything or we sacrificed and lost because we are doing that for one another. If we had the same mind and the same love, we would never feel empty. And so we see if Jesus can do that for us, where he put aside his glory, he prioritized us, even when we did not deserve it, and even when it was inconvenient, right? I'm pretty sure you understand being on the cross is pretty inconvenient. Then we can do the same for one another. Two, Jesus emptied himself, which means he had every reason to be entitled, but instead he had a selfish selfless, humble approach to relationship. What are some ways that you and I are probably entitled? What are some ways that you and I probably are entitled? Do you expect people to call you, text you, check up on you, care for you, to see how you're doing? What are some ways that you're doing that for others? Right? We want to receive love and care, but are we doing that for others? Or do you expect your husband or your wife to meet your every expectations, but are you meeting theirs? What are some ways that we may be entitled? What would it look like if we were to empty ourselves and just give and not to expect anything in return? Right? to give and not expect anything? What would it look like if we were to make the lowly feel important, to prioritize the weak and the vulnerable, to put aside ourselves, to count others more significant than us? What would that look like? See, Jesus was able to empty himself but that did not take away from his identity. And I think this is how we think. Like if I forgive someone who doesn't deserve it, then that person will be taking advantage of me. And I don't want that. I don't want people to think that I'm easy or I'm passive or I'm a doormat. That does not take away from your identity because your identity is rooted in Christ, is in God. And this is why Jesus was able to empty himself, but still be God, because his identity was secure. That's why he was able to be crucified on the cross, but still hold on to his identity as God. That's why he was able to be sped on, pierced, mocked, flogged. Can you imagine if Jesus had an ego? We all will still be dead. If Jesus was like me, everyone would be wiped out. Because I know I have pride and I have ego. But we see how Jesus, even through shame, even still through shame, he was able to serve us because his identity was secure. His identity was secure. Three. Jesus took on the form of a servant. He became human and he lived amongst us. 
He did not count equality with God a thing to hold on to. So Jesus was willing to put aside his pride and his ego to submit to God's will to serve us. Right? He didn't wave around his status like, look at me. I'm more important than everyone else. He didn't wave around his status. He didn't walk around promoting himself. No one was too big or too small to be in his circle. He wasn't selective about different types of people to care for. Everyone mattered to him. Everyone mattered to him. Right? Four, Jesus was obedient. He was obedient. And though Jesus was God, being in human form, he humbled himself, and he was obedient until um, he was obedient. Jesus lived a life of obedience. He lived a life of service, service to God, but then service to us. As human, he made personal sacrifices to meet our needs. As human, he experienced temptation to understand our struggles. As human, he became poor so that we can have everything in God. As human, his body was broken so that we can be healed of our sins. As human, he died on the cross so that you and I can have eternal life. As human, he rose from the dead to assure us that death is not final. Everything that Jesus did was with the interest of you in mind. It was with our interest in mind. Ultimately, it was to obey God, but it was for us in mind. He lived for us. And so whatever we do, however we serve, when we serve others, ultimately, it is for God, but when we do it with others in mind. Five, Jesus was obedient to death. Jesus was obedient to the point of death. Jesus served and he loved others at a great cost. Jesus loved and served others at a great cost. It had no limit. His love and his service had no limit. He showed deep, unconditional love for all people, regardless of their race, their status, their past mistakes. He showed love and compassion to those who were rejected, the outcasts. He didn't discriminate or show partiality. On the cross, Jesus demonstrated the depth and the extent of his service. There was no limit to how far Jesus was willing to go for you and I to bring us salvation. His love had no limit to the point of death. He served us without reservation. And so this is why the gospel is so beautiful. And this is why being a servant is so spiritual, because it embodies Jesus. And so Paul concludes and he says this, where he talks about walking in the footsteps of Jesus, When we walk in this mind and cultivate this lifestyle of discipline, of service, Jesus will be exalted. And he says, therefore, 
God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Beautiful. And so we see that we don't serve for our glory, but we serve for the glory of the Father. We don't serve, we don't do these things for our glory, for us to be noticed, but we do it for the glory of the Father. We don't serve for our fame or recognition, but we do it for his name, the name of Jesus, for his name, that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. We don't serve for our credit. We serve so that every tongue should confess that it's Jesus who is Lord. We serve for people to see that Jesus is Lord over our lives. And so when we serve for the glory of the Father, for Jesus' name to be exalted, for Jesus to be seen as Lord over our lives, then we can demonstrate that we are his servant. And then we are practicing this spiritual discipline called service. And that the world will see that Jesus has victory over my pride. He has victory over my ego. He has victory over my selfishness, right? He has victory over my God complex, right? When we serve like Jesus, the world will see a love like no other. Because they will see an embodiment of Jesus, a Jesus that they have not seen, but they will see him through us. Right? A love that is sacrificial, a love that is selfless, a love that is unnatural, a love that is spiritual. And that type of love will point people to Jesus. And then we see here, this is why every people, every tongue, every knee will bow in heaven and under the earth and worship this Savior and Lord because our service will point people to this God that deserve worship. And this is what Jesus says to his disciples in John chapter 13. So now I am giving you this new commandment. And this is the new commandment that he gives to us. Love each other. Just as I loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciple. You are my servant. So it's not your theology, it's not your good deeds, but it's your love for one another that will prove to the world that you are my disciple. Now, just like all the other disciplines, the discipline of service, serving like Jesus is not easy. It's not easy to count people more significant than us. It's not easy to be mistreated or treated unfairly and then still forgive. Right? You cannot do this in your own strength, in your own power. And this is why Paul says in verse 13, for 
It is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's God that is doing this in you because it's impossible for us to live this way. It's impossible for us to be servants. It's impossible to live in the same attitude as Jesus. It's impossible to be sacrificial and selfless. It's impossible to do that like in your marriage or in your friendships. It's impossible to do that with sinners because constantly we're going to be wronged by people. Constantly we're going to see ourselves better than people. It's going to be hard for us to be humble and to die to ourselves, to empty ourselves, to lay down our lives. It's impossible to do that. But we see Paul says, for it is God who works this in you, right? Both to will, to want to do it, and then to actually do it for his pleasure, for his good pleasure. So we see if we submit to him, he will provide us with the desire and the strength and the grace to serve him in this way. And so you and I are not alone in this effort to be servants. The power and the presence, he says, God is with us. The presence of God is with us working in you. God is working this in you. And so be encouraged. Be encouraged as you strive to live in this example of Jesus to be servants. Be encouraged. Trust in God's power and grace. And let this mind of Christ mature in you. Let this love of Christ mature in us so that the will and the work, God will do it for his good pleasure. I want to end um, by doing a couple of things. Uh, Tara, can you come up for a second? Um, uh, no. So I want to honor two people who are amazing servants in our church. Now, listen, just the fact, just because I'm honoring two people doesn't mean that they're only two people. There are a lot of people who we can be honoring. Um, they don't know that I was, well, someone found out that I was doing it today, but one did not know that I was doing this today. But um, a lot of times when you think about, um, especially leaders here at uh, Blueprint, you think about people who are here on stage. Um, but you don't think about the pillars that we have at Blueprint, right? And this was an analogy I received from a friend, so I'm stealing it. Um, thank you. But when you think about pillars, right, you don't see pillars. But without pillars, things fall apart. And so these two people that we're about to honor, or these couple of people that we're about to honor, are our pillars. Um, Roy, can you come up for a second? Um, um, and... Mackenzie and uh, Wes, can you come up as well? Um, 
So I'm sorry if this makes you feel awkward. Um, I don't like being up here either. So you're going to have to join me. No. Um, let me tell you something about Roy for a second. Um, Roy, Roy is our Swiss Army knife. He's our facilities guy. He's our maintenance guy. He's our, I mean, just he does so, I mean, we have two campuses, and so he's working here, and he's working at the other campus. Um, was this New Year's or Christmas that your daughter was sick? Was it? New Year's. All right. So Roy's daughter was sick um, during the New Year's. And so Roy is from the Philippines, and Roy hasn't seen his family in the Philippines for how long? Since the pandemic. All right, since the pandemic, right? So like two, three years. And so Roy decides, he's like, hey, I'm going to go visit my family um, in the Philippines. The moment that Roy gets to the Philippines, he hears that his daughter is sick on this side. Um, she was in the ICU. Um, and so we were praying for him. You know, we were praying for him and his family. And so Roy, he hears this news, and then he's like, all right, well, I just landed in the Philippines. I get this news that my daughter is sick. Roy traveled for five days just to find an airport to fly back because airports were shut down, so he had to travel a day on a boat, a bus, bus, boat, bus, boats, just to find an airport, five days traveling just to find an airport to fly back. Roy finally flies back, and this is like right before the New Year's, I come and I see Roy like cleaning the church. I'm like, Roy, what are you doing? Like, you need to be in, what, your daughter was in North Carolina? Uh, Boston. Oh, Boston. So she was in the ICU in Boston. First thing he does when he lands, he comes to the church to prepare the church and to clean up the church and to fix certain things that were broken down. I'm like, Roy, you just need to go home. And he's like, All right, I'll just stay until 12 o'clock. I'm like, okay, fine. But I say this because this is our pillar, right? And how much he loves to serve. Um, and so, again, when you think about people who keep this church up, it's not me or the Hadi or leaders. It's the unseen Roy's. And so just wanted to give you just a little... He didn't know. I'm sorry for embarrassing you, but I just want to say thank you. Um, just a little gift, too. Um, and um, Wes and Mackenzie are both uh, city group leaders, and they've been city group leaders for a while now. Um, just want to say thank you for how well you guys have cared for our church. And when we talk about like sharing and the afflictions of others, you've helped care people through difficult times at Blueprint. Um, and so we just wanna thank you for that. And we also wanna pray for them because this week is your last week with us. Um, they are actually going to work in London. He got an opportunity to uh, work for a couple months in, in London, and he's moving there. Him and his wife are moving there, and then who knows what the Lord will do there. So they're not going as missionaries. However, um, they will be missionaries for the Lord because God is going to use you there. We believe and we hope that God will use you there. 
And so we're going to miss you. Um, we're going to be praying for you. And we just want, to, want you to know, man, thank you so much for all that you guys have done for our Sandy Spring group. So just wanted to give you this and then also for our church to know and to be praying for you guys. Okay. Um, so these are the servants that we want to honor um, at our church. We do have one more, and this was more of a surprise because she did this, but then we also wanted to do this for her. She doesn't know. Um, Latera, this is for you. Um, So, there you go. Um, So, if you know Tara, if you've been at Blueprint for a while, so first of all, Tara's the one who, like, kind of, you know, uh, 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 yeah, she, she is the one, man, who, when we first started visiting Blueprint, she came, she loved on us, and, um, man, like, just the way that she loved on our family, um, it was just a blessing. But then if you know Tara, Tara serves everywhere. Like, you see Tara, she has, like, four kids, but then she's superwoman. Tara, in the mornings, um, Monday mornings, every Monday morning, she comes before we all do, right? And um, she's the first one that's in the building. And she is like vacuuming and getting food, getting things ready for our meetings. Tara, not just that, but during the break, right, we had multiple pipes burst at the church, this campus and the other one. Tara woke up late at night to go and like clean up and like do away with all the water and stuff. I mean, she is constantly serving and... um, we just want to let you know that, man, thank you so much for being such a great servant, um, demonstrating the mind and the love and the attitude of Christ. Um, and sometimes we don't deserve it, uh, but thank you that you do it so willingly and so freely. Um, and so we just wanted to uh, appreciate you. Um, let me go ahead and... Um, so thank you, guys. No, let me just pray for you guys, especially to... Um, Father, thanks for worshiping with us. For more information about Blueprint Church, visit us online at blueprintchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Blueprint Church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.